welcome in this place. 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 Have your
Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the King of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. You are good. You are good. You 
is holding on when the night is holding on to me God is holding on you are good Declare that this morning. He's good. You are good. Good. Oh, 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 you are good.
You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways.
sang to lowly shepherds. Three wise men seeking truth that traveled from afar, hoping to find the child from heaven, falling on their knees, they bowed before the humble prince of I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that's your due. Oh Lord, I bring an offering. Son cannot compare to the glory of your love. There is no shadow in your presence. No mortal man would dare to stand before your throne, before the Holy One of Heaven. And it's only by your blood it's only through your mercy, Lord, I come. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that's your due. Oh, Lord, I bring offering to you I bring an offering of worship to my king no one on earth deserves the praises that I sing Jesus may you receive the honor that's your due oh Lord I bring an offering to you. Oh Lord, I bring an offering to you. name this morning. Luke's gospel, as we were singing that song this morning and we were reflecting on the goodness of God, um, I couldn't help but to think of what Luke wrote in chapter 2, where it reads, and the same area with the shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were afraid. And the angel said to them, Listen, do not fear, for I bring you good news of great joy. Good news. From a good God. 
Isn't it wonderful this morning that we can gather this morning surrounded by the presence of God to worship Him as the angels began to sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. It was good news. It was good news that first that first Christmas season when Jesus came. It was good. I remember reading just just last night as I was reflecting on Martin Luther and how he struggled with his sinfulness and he struggled to please God and to live a life but he wrestled with his sinfulness and it even turned him into a place where he thought of the justice of God as something that was against him, not for him. And he even came to the place that he looked at all of the father figures in his life and he thought to himself, if this, if this is what a father figure is and the experience, negative experience that he received from the father figures in his life, then he, he began to re- think to himself that there's no way I can love this God. And he became to resent God, even to hate God. Even though he wanted to love God, he struggled with that because he thought that God was against him. But I want you to know this morning, God is for us, he's not against us. He's for us, not against us. I'm thankful this morning we serve a good God who brings good news. And that good news is that we can have peace, we can have joy, we can be delivered. We can be set free from the penalty of our sin and the consequences of our sin. And that we in Jesus have a hope that goes beyond the cares, and the trials, and the circumstances of this life. Amen? That we, have, we can have peace with Him. And it's good news. It's good news. Amen? From a good God, a good gift. And I trust this morning that you don't know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, that today you'll make him your king. I really am praying for that. If there's people in your life and they have not known the goodness of God, they've not received the good gift in Jesus. Folks, can we, can we put them, make it a matter of prayer this Christmas season, this Advent season, that we see them come to the Lord, we reach out to them? I don't know about you this morning, but I'm so, I just want to praise you, Lord. Praise We just thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We declare your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your great love. We thank you for the righteousness that was not ours, but you freely gave it to us. And you set us free. For whom the sun sets free is free. And you set us free from the consequences of sin and hell. And you've counted us among the righteous. You've called us saints because Jesus is now within us. And we thank you for that good news, that consolation of Israel that Simeon was waiting for. And we thank you, God, that when you promise, you fulfill, you deliver. And all of your promises are good. All of your promises are yes and amen. And we thank you, God for your goodness to us. Hallelujah. Do you love him this morning? Is this great? I just, this is, thank you. He is good. He is good. He is good. Thank you, worship team, for leading. Uh, Christian, you did a great job. Everybody singing, playing, you did a great job. I just, 
It was wonderful. I don't know about you, but I just was really blessed this morning, really touched. And thank you so much for coming this morning. And we're really excited that you're here. So welcome to Maple Street this morning. We're, we're excited that you're here and what the Lord has in store uh, today. And uh, we're so uh, pleased to have uh, Reverend Eric Dirksen with us. He is the president of Vanguard College in Edmonton. And uh, Vanguard College is our Bible college. It's our school uh, to train up pastors, missionaries, global workers, uh, and of course equip, uh, equip people for to be disciples of Jesus. And uh, I know there's been lots of development, and I'm not going to steal his thunder. I'm sure he has lots to, to be able to share, and we're just uh, glad that, that you can be here with us this morning, brother. So I uh, trust that you feel welcome. Trust that uh, you sense in the Lord's presence. And, and uh, so again, we, we're, we just welcome to Maple Street this morning. So glad everybody can, can be here. And that uh, how many so far have been blessed by the worship and, and just being able to connect with God on an intimate level this morning? I know I have been already. Just a few announcements this morning. Um, of course, uh, today is our Mission Focus Sunday. And, of course, we're fe featuring uh, uh, Vanguard College, of which uh, this church has been a, uh, a supporter of the school, both in prayer and, and through uh, financial contribution. And, um, and of course, I uh, just want to make mention as well, coming up next Sunday on this, uh, December the 16th, we do have our, our Heritage House ministry coming up. And uh, as well, on, in the morning is our second annual uh, gift bag Christmas pageant, and if uh, those who, who, who knows what that means, the gift bag Christmas pageant, do you know what that means? Who, who doesn't know what that means? Oh, well, if you're here, you're going to be pleasantly surprised and treated, and uh, because, um, you know, when we come to church sometimes, we, and, and we come to, to, to uh, pageants, or we come to concerts, or whatever, we tend to be the spectators, but in this kind of a pageant, there's far more participation. You just don't know what character you might just become. You just have to grab the bag, see what's inside, and it's hard to say you could be anything from Joseph or Mary, a wise man. You might even be a donkey or an angel. Everybody laughed about the donkey, but they but there's a good chance you could, I mean, you never know, right? You just could be an angel or a donkey. So, Next week, and of course, following that is our potluck lunch. And uh, if you notice in the bulletin, it talks about meat and buns will be provided. So we're looking for everyone to bring a contribution of salad, um, you know, a vegetable or meat and cheese type of plate. And of course, uh, like a festive dessert like eggnog uh, cheesecake, if, if possible. Yeah, apple pie might be good, Grandma. Apple pie just might be on the, on the list. And, of course, uh, our Christmas uh, Eve, in quotations, I'll put that in quotations, candlelight service. And this is just to, to, to make available Christmas Eve for if there's family that are going to be getting together or if anyone is traveling to be with family over that time, we've decided to have our, our candlelight service in the morning. And as, as you notice, when the lights are, are down, it, it, it feels like it's evening, doesn't it? So uh, we, can, we can cover some things over the windows and we can... Uh, we can have our candlelight service earlier rather than later, and uh, just trust that everyone can can 
make it. And uh, we are still looking for some participation, so uh, I will be getting in contact and um, lining up uh, some more participation for that. 23rd, Sunday, the 23rd, right in the bulletin, December 23rd, 10 a.m. at our regular uh, worship uh, gathering. I don't think I've missed anything this morning. I think I got it all covered. I believe. So we're going to call the, the little ones up this morning before we uh, and we're going to, actually what we're going to do, maybe we won't call the little ones up. No? no, no, not the little ones. Yeah, we're going to ask our ushers if they would come forward and we're going to receive our morning uh, tithe and offering. As we give back to the Lord a portion he's blessed us with. God bless you as you give. I think we got the ushers. Here they come. There's a young, young gentleman all ready to go. So I'm going to ask Frank if he would lead us this morning. And just a quick aside. I, you may notice I limp a little. I have a bad knee. But this morning, as I came into the church, it was incredibly uncomfortable. So as I went to uh, greet people, uh, there was a gap there. I just looked down, and I slapped my knee, and I said, Lord, heal this knee right now. Be healed. And I stood up and started walking, and the pain was gone. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just wanted to let people know God is a miracle. You don't have to have a long-winded prayer. A slap on the knee, and all is well. As we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven opened, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations, anointings, giftings, and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources, to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation saved and set free came kingdom revival thank you father that as i join my value system to yours you will shower favor blessing and increase upon me so i have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see jesus get his full reward hallelujah amen God bless you as you give. And uh, this time I'm going to welcome Reverend Eric to, to share in God's word. I, I, I'm pretty confident that most of us are know who uh, Brother Eric is. I believe he's been here before to share. And uh, if we could give him a warm welcome as he comes. Good morning. How are we doing? I'm really happy to be here. Uh, I was telling Pastor Stephen that I really enjoy driving. It's um, probably one of the few times in my day, week, or life that I just really, everything just slows down. Well, my car doesn't, because I really, <laughs> I like driving fast, too. Um, but it's just a chance to think. And uh, I prefer actually being alone. 
Uh, I'm not a big fan of crowds, which is strange for what I'm doing. Um, but I need, I need my time with God. It's just me and God. And I actually need lots of it. And uh, the, the older I get, uh, the more I need that. So the opportunity to be with you is very special to me. Thank you for your uh, prayer, your support, uh, your belief in the ministry of Vanguard College. And um, above all things that I pray for for our college is a uh, world-changing move of the Spirit of God in the lives of our students. Uh, At the heart of my being, the heart of my ministry, uh, I am a revivalist. I, I just, of all of the methodological and um, systematic things that we can, should, and need to do as a church, what we need more than anything else is literally the descent of the Spirit of God upon His church again. Uh, I've been preaching a series that I'm going to depart from. Now, it's interesting when you're on the road. So I'm not, I've been on the road now 10 weeks in a row preaching. And I've been doing a series, but nobody's got more than one in the series. Still, I did a series. And, and really, I've been talking about all of the poisonous negative influences that have uh, invaded the church and invaded the minds of believers. So I've been talking about things like humanism and pragmatism and materialism and rationalism. Oh, the scourge of rationalism on the church, even and, and I feel it on the on what Bible college looks like. And it's not that the moving of God and the Word of God and God speaking is irrational. That's not what I'm saying. But human rationalism has really, it's just like a water on the fire, the Spirit of God. Um, so where, where did our young piano player go this morning? Is she like kids ministry or? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. God's just calling that young lady. There is, there is a call, and and you need to pray for her. And the call of God always costs you not something; it costs you everything. There's just no way around that. And and, and God has His hand on her life. He's calling her. And uh, so, um, pray for her, and uh, maybe when she comes back later, I will pray for her, Uh, unless she went to Tim Hortons, in which case I'll have to go and see her there. I'm kidding. Hello, dear. Could you come up here, please? I wanted to pray for you. Um, I think your church knows, I know, God's just called you powerfully. And you need to discover that in your life. And as I was saying to them, um, it's going to cost you everything. But the price is worth it for what God wants to do. So if you, would you let me pray for you? God, I, I pray for this daughter of the King, the anointing of Jesus, the power of the Spirit upon her. God, may she just sense and know what you have put in her heart. Let it be a spark that lights fires. 
God, just let her grow and develop and experience everything that you have for her. And I pray your protection upon her. I pray, God, just for the the shield of the Almighty God to surround her, a mighty fortress, to pour out blessing upon blessing. And let her experience at the end of her life things she never would have thought possible. So bless her to accomplish it. In Jesus' name. So uh, if I wasn't preaching next week, I'd come to your potluck because I do like cheesecake. And you know what I really like? The little marshmallow peanut butter things that are mandatory at church potlucks. Maybe it's the leading of the Spirit on somebody's heart to do that all the time, but those things are delicious. I I, I, I grew up, I'm still growing up, but um, I was a super, I am, I'm very introverted. I am, I'm extremely introverted. And I grew up a Mennonite kid. Pretty good, sometimes. Got into lots of trouble. Um, I really thought life was worth exploring. Most of the trouble I got into was just all my fault because I was all alone. And uh, I, um, I grew up wanting to be a doctor. That was from when I was a kid. It's, it's all I wanted to be. So finished high school, went into university. Um, I was really excited about the prospect of 12 years of university. Really, like I just couldn't wait. I was so excited thought, this is just like uh, fantastic. So, and then I finished my first degree, and um, at the end of my science degree, in the end of April, I woke up one April morning, and it was gone. And it was like I was lost again. You know, when your whole life, when you build towards something and work towards something, it was like I was lost. I literally felt for months that something in me had died, and I didn't know where it went. And uh, so I, I didn't know what to do. I was really good at math, and uh, my mom said they're hiring... Um, accounting articling students at the accounting firm. Why don't you do it? And I said, well, why not? Better than working at Dairy Queen. If you work at Dairy Queen, that's okay. Like, honestly, (laughs) God might call you there. And I got into it and I started and um, it's not a bad place to be for an introvert. You know, so, I, three years into this, so this is like graduate work in accounting, and I'm, I'm articling, and I wake up one November morning, and it was like, God, what in the world am I doing? This is killing my soul. And it was. And then in January, the 
first Sunday night in January, after a very long week of fighting with God and experiencing the work of the Spirit, but also experiencing a really significant dark presence around me that I didn't sleep, I was troubled, I was, I'd wake up at night and it was like the presence of the enemy was palpable, it was dark and just, I was fighting. And anybody heard of an evangelist named Barry Moore? Yeah, you heard of Barry Moore? Okay, so Barry was preaching at my church. My home church was Calvary Temple, Winnipeg. And, uh, you know, when you're a Mennonite kid, you grow up knowing that if there's church, you go. It doesn't matter if you're involved. It doesn't matter if you want to go. If there's church, you go. And so there was church at my church, so I went. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. God calling, and I mean calling, literally with a, with a sledgehammer knocking on my life, and I was not going to surrender to God. And, uh, and then finally, on Sunday, it went Sunday morning, and I, I'm like, here's what happened. I go to church. I start at the back. I, I'm a backbencher. Like, I love that. That's great. But as, as the services increase in intensity in my heart, I started moving forward. So my altar call started Thursday night, and it ended Sunday night. Started at the back, and I started to move forward. Sunday afternoon, I am miserable. The most miserable Christian in, on the face of the planet. And I said, I go to church. If I go to church tonight, I have to surrender to Jesus. Because I can't go and not surrender. And uh, I'm doing the Gideon thing, okay? So I have two really good Baptist friends, brothers. One's an accountant. Don't hold it against him. His brother's an engineer. And they really... Oh, I grew up making fun of Pentecostals. I did. I grew up making fun of Pentecostals. With them... (laughs) But I said, if Wes and Glenn go to church with me tonight, I'll go to church, thinking there's not a hope in eternity that they're going to say yes. So I get on the phone, and they go, uh, I go, Glenn, there's a Pentecostal revivalist at Calvary Temple in Winnipeg. Do you want to go to the service with me? And to the deep disappointment of my heart, he said, yeah, we'll go with you. I thought, God is awesome. Oh, no. Anyway, I surrendered that night. I was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It was like, it was like God took the brain and the heart that was in me out of me and totally transformed me. What I do, how I minister, it's got nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with who I am. It's not me. And what I want to leave with you this morning, I want to talk about Peter, Pentecost, and the power of the Spirit-filled life. Because we need the Holy Spirit of God to renew us and revive us. We need the Holy Spirit of God to be poured out upon us again. Our roots is a fellowship of revivalist roots. But I think, I think God is a revivalist God. 
It didn't just start with Pentecost and Azusa Street and Topeka, Kansas and Winnipeg and Chicago. It really began with Abraham. And throughout God's history with his people, the Bible tells us a story of God who intervened in everyday life. So we are here this morning, we are worshiping, sensing God's presence and, and the, the glorious gift of Pentecost. But I want us to look at Peter this morning. So if you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. We'll talk somewhat thematically about Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4. But what I want you to pay attention to this morning is that Peter does not represent an extraordinary person. But he represents every person who will live their life in the fullness and the power of a life yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. Peter was not a particular genius. He was not a particular charismatic. He was not a particularly naturally gifted individual. Peter represents an ordinary person. He could have been a Mennonite kid. That's something that you and I need to reckon with in the Scriptures. Who is this Peter? So let's walk through some of his life and some of his background and who he was and watch what God did. And perhaps God would plant in your heart this morning a spark of faith to believe enough that God will fill the pews of this place ten times over. Because you see, we have the proclamation of a gospel that is life-transforming. We have the ability to declare words to people that will change them and rescue them and heal them and deliver them and transform who they are as natural people. That's what God does. He takes very average, natural people and does supernatural, unbelievable, wonderful, transformative work in them and through them to touch the lives of other people. There are people in Vegreville that are dying without Jesus, dying without hope. They're lost in mediocrity. Some people that you know, some people that are in your families, people that you work with, people that you live beside. The church and the Pentecostal church in particular, but the church in general in North America has, has been led to feel by sociopolitical agenda, the church has been made to feel ashamed of who they are. And that is a structure that's rooted in the pit of hell. And for me, when I say I'm Pentecostal, I really don't mean that I'm a credential holder with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada or that I go to a Pentecostal church. I am a Pentecostal by experience. I'm a first-generation Pentecostal in my family. And I don't think Pentecost is a stream of Christianity. I think it is God's design to be the norm for Christians. Just talking to Brian Rutten. Anybody know or know Brian and Val? Yeah, so I went for dinner with Brian in November, Brian and Val. And he started telling me about the persecution in Ethiopia. And he said, when I was there, he said, I've been there 25 years and, and, and just watched God begin to do, a, and the things that are going on in Ethiopia today, staggeringly, almost unbelievable, among Muslims and the Coptic church. 
powerful. But he said when persecution came to evangelicals in Ethiopia, sorry, I got to... When, when persecution came to the church in Ethiopia, he said uh, Lutherans, uh, Alliance, Evangelicals, Presbyterian, he said everybody became Pentecostal. Everybody. See, I, I think that's God's gift and promise. And Peter doesn't represent somebody that's extraordinary, but somebody that's, well, frankly, just like me, just like you. So let's look at that. And, uh, and maybe what we need to do is just bow, let's bow our hearts, ask the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do this morning. Holy Spirit, come and just move in our hearts today. May the word of God be alive to us. Speak words of life, transforming words of life. God, I pray for this congregation. I pray that you would just plant seeds of life sparks of faith that will flame an inferno of the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, give faith to believe for the impossible. Pentecost, not for our sake, but for the glory of Jesus. Pentecost, it celebrates another harvest for the kingdom of God. Pentecost that is healing, Pentecost that is empowering, Pentecost that is so far outside the realm of explicability and reason, but it makes perfect sense in the economy of God. So come, Holy Spirit, I pray, and open our eyes and plant seeds that will bear fantastic fruit for the kingdom of God. So Peter is, um, you know, Peter was called. He was doing what he was doing. Peter, Andrew, and then just a little short time later, James and John, what were they doing? They were fishing. So Peter was a fisherman. So today, Peter may not be a fisherman, particularly in Alberta, maybe in the Maritimes, Newfoundland, don't know. But Peter could be a uh, rig worker. Trucker, farmer, framer. That's who God called. That's who he was. He worked with his hands. He didn't make money with his brain. He made money with his hands and his back. And he represents most of us, actually. And he became a follower of Jesus. He actually became one who was in the inner circle with Jesus and uh, experienced some things that the others didn't experience among the twelve. Peter was very forthright. He, he was a, uh, you know, where would Peter have lived today? Well, he would have lived in Missouri, the show me state. You know, just show me. Don't talk to me, just show me. And... Uh, in Mark's Gospel, of course, Jesus is, begins to explain to them that the Son of Man needs to go to Jerusalem and he needs to um, be crucified and he will rise the third day. And Peter takes, the, Mark says, Peter takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him. That's who Peter is. Jesus said to the disciples on one occasion, who do people say that I am? And they go, well, some say Elijah and prophets and 
who do you say that I am? And Peter's always the first guy to answer. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Very forthright, very transparent. Um, after Jesus is raised from the dead, they're fishing in John chapter 21. Peter's gone back fishing. He's pretty discouraged at this point. We'll talk about that in a moment. And all of a sudden, somebody says, cast your net on the other side of the boat. And so they do that, and the net fills to overflowing. And some perceptive disciple says, it is the Lord. And what does Peter do? He takes off his garment, he jumps into the lake, and he swims to shore. You, so you need to understand his personality. Peter is also a man of feeling. He is a man who has significant affective disposition in his personality. He feels very deeply. And the events of the cross have somewhat discouraged him. Of course, he's made this bold and brash confession. Even if I have to go to prison and die with you, Jesus, I'm not going to leave you. And Jesus looks at Peter and goes, Satan is going to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. And then, of course, in the courtyard three times, Jesus, as Jesus has promised, Peter betrays his very close friend three times. And that has left Peter a, a very wounded and broken individual. Not only has Jesus been crucified, and then, of course, the mysterious resurrection of Jesus. But Peter's wounded by his own sins against his Savior. And he's grieved, and he's lost in his life. That's why he says, I'm going to go back fishing. Peter. Pentecost. Of course, in John chapter 21, Jesus three times for each time that Peter denied Jesus, Jesus turns and says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And so restores the heart of this tender but somewhat boisterous disciple. And then they spend 40 days with Jesus after the resurrection when he appears to them and continues to teach them and continues to talk about the kingdom of God with them. And then he instructs them on that last day to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And they do that for 10 days. They're waiting. They're praying. Then we come to the day of Pentecost, and the Bible says when the day of Pentecost had fully come. And the day of Pentecost represented the first fruits of the harvest. So it was after the harvest. Now there were festivals celebrating the harvest. This was a feast of first fruits. And what that means is that they would take of the harvest and bake something. That was the fruits of the harvest, and they would come and present it at the temple. Just beautiful spiritual symbolism of the coming of the Holy Spirit. It really, really connects Pentecost with the Passover. 
which was the start of the harvest. It really connects the death and resurrection of Jesus with this eschatological end times harvest that is coming. And the first fruits that they experienced that we'll talk about on that day. It was a powerfully moving festival among the Jews. And in God's economy and prophetic promise throughout the Old Testament, how He structured into the laws and into the festivals and into the seasons of the Jewish calendar, a precursor of the life and ministry, the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. This unique, holistic story that's embedded in the Scriptures that Contemporary theology calls the meta-narrative of the Bible, but really what it is is the intelligent design of God into history. And the day of Pentecost comes where they're to be celebrating the first fruits of the harvest and the Holy Spirit of God that they had never experienced like that fell upon them. There appeared to be as of tongues of fire resting on each one of them, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And Peter, of course, is at the very center of this. And I tell you the truth, Peter is very nearly reborn again. Jesus radically changed Peter's life. And so did the Holy Spirit. Fantastic. My perception, and it, it's reflective of, the own, of my own reality in my Christian life, and I think it's reflective of the reality of far too many people in our Pentecostal churches and far too many people who are in the church today is that Jesus has radically changed their life, but they have not yet experienced the radical transformation of the falling of the Holy Spirit. And Peter represents this to us. So we've talked about Peter, we've talked about Pentecost, but what we need to do is look at the power of a Spirit-filled life. And Peter, this fisherman, gets up on the day of Pentecost and as soon as he begins to talk, you know, this is a different Peter from John chapter 21. This is not the same Peter. He is not hiding anymore. He is not going back fishing. He is not in doubt anymore about who Jesus was. Now in Acts chapter 4, I think it's verse 12 or 13, he's in trouble with the Jewish leaders. And they hauled him before him, and they said that they recognized that they were untrained and uneducated men, but they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's an incredibly important verse for us today. They were uneducated, but what that really meant was they didn't go to the school of the Pharisees. They didn't go to the school of the Pharisees. But they were not uneducated. They had spent three years with Jesus. 
They had spent three years watching Jesus speak to them about their Old Testament, about their Bible, watching the Bible come alive in the life of Jesus, in the words of Jesus, watching Jesus do what the prophets of old did and said, watching Jesus fulfill prophecy after prophecy, scripture after scripture, time after time. And it took three years of ministry. Like, Don't tell me Peter was uneducated. And what Peter does in Acts chapter 2, how he begins to pull the Old Testament passages out, and the Holy Spirit is engaging Peter in a profound act of ministry in that moment. Peter's watching himself be changed as he's preaching. The Holy Spirit didn't take those Bible verses out of the Old Testament and plant them in his heart. He had memorized them. Jesus had taught his disciples the Scriptures. But the Scriptures were not the end. This is what I just need to communicate to my students. We have committed a terrible tragedy in the Western Evangelical Church in that we have imposed upon us and our churches an unholy trinity of Father, Son, and Bible. And that is such a tragedy. Now, I will never diminish the holiness and the power and the veracity and the value of the Word of God. It is the Word of God. But it is not our God. Paul says that the Lord is the Spirit. And we need to exalt the Holy Trinity as God has revealed the Holy Holy Trinity to us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Peter knew the Scriptures. Jesus talked to him about the Scriptures. You have to study the Scriptures. You need to memorize the Scriptures. You need to to give the Holy Spirit ammunition in your life and in your ministry. It's not just the Spirit. Oh, I don't need my Bible. I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to study my Bible. I don't need to memorize my Bible. But you need to give the Holy Spirit ammunition in your life. You need to study the Word of God. But I've been spending a lot of time just thinking about Peter and thinking about what happened in his heart, in his psychology, in his awareness as he preaches this sermon on Pentecost. And it's remarkable how in this farmer, framer, trucker, the Holy Spirit began to take the Old Testament Scriptures and He began to empower them in the mind of Peter. And Peter began to speak the Word of God. And he began to speak a word that was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And how do I know that? 3,000 people responded to the altar call. Do I want to preach my Bible? No. I want to preach Jesus. I want to preach God's Word. I want to preach what the Holy Spirit tells me, but it is rooted and grounded and founded in the Word of God. I am not trying to graduate academics. I am not trying to graduate analysts of the Bible. I am trying to graduate spirit-filled 
Spirit-anointed people who know their Bible, who understand the mission of God in the Bible, and who are empowered and impassioned by the Holy Spirit to speak living words to people. So Bible is a very important part of Vanguard College. When I got there, the average graduate took seven Bible courses and five theology courses in their whole degree. And I thought, I can't live with this. I can't sleep at night anymore. So now half their degree, fully half their degree is in Bible and theology. But that's not enough for me. That's not enough for me, that people just know the Bible but they they experience and they learn to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit moving in them and through them. You see, the Pentecostal church, us, friends, we've fallen into the mediocrity of a rationalistic Western evangelical church. We have We are not what we were at the beginning. We're not. Look at the fruit. In the past 50 years, when Canada has grown so rapidly, this church in proportion has shrunk exponentially. I look at Peter. I look at the fishermen. I look at the guy that didn't get a degree in the school of Phariseeism. And I watch him, under the animation and empowering of the Holy Spirit, take the Word of God that Jesus taught him and empowered him in that moment to speak words of life that went right to the heart of a lost people. So here's my point, and, and, and we're going to close. We want to spend some time in prayer this morning. So in a moment, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Kristen, Kristen, you come to the piano in just a moment. We, we just want to take a mo- moment to worship. And that song, we, the last song we did before, let's go to that one. Listen. 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 People, people are dying without Jesus. People that we know, people that we know of, are ending their life out of this pain and despair of hopelessness. People are lost and misled by the lies of the enemy in our culture. They're drowning in materialism. Their hearts are dead. We have people that are wrapped up in the scourge of anxiety and fear and depression. People in our churches are bound in the prisons of depression and anxiety and fear. It is real. I'm spending ten times more every year on counseling for our students than we did ten years ago. We talk to Bible college students who are talking about suicide because they just can't keep going. That's our world. That's our world. 
And we don't need just people preaching the Bible, but people that will bring spirit-anointed words at the right moment to touch somebody's heart and rescue them. We need people, believers, anybody, anybody, to say, God, whatever you want to do with me, do it. We need people who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God and believe so strongly in the power of the gospel that it is transformative. It does save. It does rescue. It does break spiritual chains off the lives of people. You know, Peter said something so profound. He said, to whom else shall we go because you have the words of eternal life? And watching the gospel and the Spirit of God begin to touch somebody's life and rescue them out of the brokenness that they're experiencing. Would you bow with me? You hear the Holy Spirit calling your heart. Do you hear the Spirit of God speaking to you today? Is there somebody in your life? It doesn't need just psychology or medical intervention. But they need God to reach down from heaven and change your life. I'm here to ask you this morning, are you willing to give up everything for what Jesus wants to do through you? To touch the people around you, your neighbors, and to be a church that looks out. Doesn't look inward, it looks out to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, to people that you work with, to people that the Holy Spirit will bring across your path each day. And are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to be moved by the Holy Spirit of God? Because it was Peter, it was Pentecost, and it was the power of a Spirit-filled life. So I'll ask you this morning, first of all, if you're here and you're depressed, you're upset, your, your life is broken, you've got no answers for life, and you know this morning you don't have forgiveness for your sins, you don't have peace with God, and you need a new start. You need to surrender to Jesus. If you're here and that's you, raise your hand because God is calling you. And I want to pray for you. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Father, for those hands that are raised, I pray, God, just for the restoring love of Jesus, cleansing from sin, hope for tomorrow, a new start, a new day, a new day. I pray that they might know the peace that passes understanding. I pray that they might know 
that God truly loves them. And in the same way that Jesus gave everything for them, that they will give everything for you. They're all in today. May they know forgiveness as they confess their sins, as they yield control of their life to you. And I suppose to all of us, I ask this question, is my life bearing the fruit of a spirit-filled life? Have I been sidetracked? Am I living a Christian life? But I'm really, to be honest, if you're here and you would be honest today, you would say you're just bored with Christianity. And I want you to know that that's a prison out of which Jesus will call you and experience the life-giving presence and power by the person of the Holy Spirit of God. I know that God revives His people. You're here today, you long for the burden of the Lord for your community. You long for the assurance of things unseen answers to prayer in your own life, in your own family, with your friends, with your neighbors, with your co-workers, people you go to school with. Church, what I'm going to ask you to do is it's not really an altar call for this morning, but for an altar call in your life. To bow before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords not just every day of your life, but as a way of life. Surrendering everything that you are, everything that you've learned, and allowing the Holy Spirit to root out of your life things that just don't belong there. They're hindering you from experiencing the fullness of what God has for you. Lies that you've believed, things that you've been taught that are just not true. Excuses that you're giving for not living a life yielded to the Spirit of God. Because you know something? What I believe in the depths of my heart is that God has a renewing desire for Vegreville. I believe that. I believe that God is going to begin to call people to Christ and to renewal and that it can begin here. Not by your efforts, not by your striving, but by a life yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. By a willingness to believe for the impossible. By the Word of God illumined by the Holy Spirit that shatters the lies of culture and an education system that is so broken and so godless. By a political agenda that is not only contrary to Christ, it is anti-Christ. Those things don't matter to God. There is nothing our God cannot do.
So I want you in this moment to say, Holy Spirit, what are you, what are you speaking to my heart today? Holy Spirit, to what are you calling me? Would you stand with me? I want to pray a prayer. And then if you lead us in that song, that would be great. We'll worship together. But if you stand with me, I want to pray for what I want more than anything in my life right now and what I long for the church. And that is a deep and desperate hunger for God. Father, I pray that you would just descend upon this people, us. I ask you, God, to awaken us out of mediocrity. I ask you, God, to rescue us out of lukewarm Christianity. I ask you, God, to break the hardness that's on our heart and the blindness that's on our eyes and the deafness that's on our ears. I ask you, God, to give us eyes to see the world around us as you see it, to be filled with passion and compassion for the lost, to to be filled with an infectious desire to make Christ known in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I pray, God, for a yieldedness to the Spirit of God. I ask You, God, for a hunger and a thirst in our souls that absolutely nothing in this world can satisfy. Only Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Break out of our heart a love for this world and a love for the things of this world. A love for money. A love for a restful existence because we have enough. May we know the peace that passes understanding through a life that is poured out in the service of our King. God, I pray that Pastor Stephen would have no end of people who come alongside of him to serve and to make the ministry of this church appealing and attractive to people without Jesus. Families who need Christ. I ask You, God, for an awakening in this room. I pray that when people go home this afternoon, they open their Bible or they sit in their bed tonight or they get up early in the morning and they open their Bible that the Holy Spirit of God would touch them. Not just for a moment, but for a transformed life. God, birth something so new and beautiful in this place. Jesus, be everything in this place. Be exalted and be lifted up. Let the Word of God be living and powerful in the lives and in the mouths and the confession and in the proclamation of Jesus to a lost, broken, and dying world. And so God, I just pray pray for a hunger for you. God, as we worship, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just help us to reckon with Peter. Just reckon with Peter, who experienced the power of Pentecost and began to experience the power of a Spirit-filled life. And in the same way that Jesus changed Peter's life. And the Holy Spirit 
changed Peter's life, so God change us. Transform us. Because as Peter said, the promise is to you and to your children and to those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So God, this morning, I also have a burden on my heart to pray in these families where there are children who are wandering from Jesus. God, it is a work of destruction in the enemy, and I pray that the light of God would shine into their heart. I pray, God, that you would do a work of calling and rescuing and transforming and inviting and shatter the chains of darkness that's on the lives of so many people. God, I know that there are so many people in our Pentecostal churches who grew up in the Pentecostal church, but they're wandering far from Jesus. God, I pray you would just call them home. Call them to Christ. God, anoint them. Save them. Deliver them. And I pray, God, for the Holy Spirit to move in this place in prayer and in renewal and in faith to believe for the impossible. Because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. God, You do great things. You do awesome things. You do what we can't do. So God, as we worship, as we sing, and just take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit, God, be lifted up. Be exalted. Be exalted, Lord, as we worship You. As we worship You, Lord. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh Lord, I bring an offering to you. Over the skies of Bethlehem appeared a star. While angels sang to lowly shepherds, three wise men seeking truth had traveled from afar, hoping to find the child from heaven. Falling on their knees, they bowed before the humble Prince of Peace. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh, Lord, I bring an offering to you. The sun cannot compare to the glory of your love. 
shadow in your presence. No mortal man would dare to stand before your throne, before the Holy One of Heaven. And it's only by your blood, it's only through your mercy, Lord, I come. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praise that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh, Lord, I bring an offering to you. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh, Lord, I bring an offering to you. As we close, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Stephen in a moment. But those, those words, those lines, that last line is just so profound. That what God desires more than anything else. And it's even borne out grammatically in the scriptures. What God wants more than anything else is your heart. He talks about the heart more than he talks about grace and blessing. He talks about the heart more than anything. If you want a profound illustration of it, read the book of Deuteronomy, where God continually asks for the heart. So as I close and I turn it over to Pastor Stephen, I just wonder if you're here and you're sensing the call of the Spirit, and you're willing to give Him everything that you are, whatever He wants in your life, and all that you are, and you just offer it to Him for God to begin and to stir and to move and to build something in this church family that is so appealing and so attractive and so dynamic for this community, but you will give yourself who you are. Maybe you're a musician, piano, guitar. Maybe you serve in Sunday school. You serve in the board. Maybe you greet people. Maybe you make people feel at home. Maybe you pray profoundly. It's part of your calling. Whatever your gifting is, whatever your calling, whatever your personality and your strengths, whatever your weaknesses are, God does awesome things through people who are yielded to Him. And perhaps you're here this morning and in raising your hand, you're saying, I've experienced Pentecost, but it's grown dim and dull and the fires have just faded to embers and I need a renewal and a reviving in my life. And you're hungry and you want God to restore that up in you again. And you'll raise your hand and ask God to do that in your life. Maybe you're here today and you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
not experienced that empowering for life and ministry. Not, not experienced, you've never experienced that through speaking in tongues and experiencing what God wants to do in you and through you. By raising your hand, you'll say, God, fill me with your spirit. Let me experience a transformed life like Peter, who in a moment went from a fisherman to a fisher of men by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you're here and you sense the Spirit of God speaking to you and you're willing to surrender, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? My hands are raised. Jesus, I pray that you would do great and awesome things in every life, in every soul. You know their life. You know their past. You know this week. You know the burdens on their heart. You know the doubts and the fears. You know the struggles in their life. You know the economic circumstances. You know the difficulties. You know the hopes and the dreams. You know the sleeplessness. You know the restlessness. You know the anticipation. You know us completely, oh God. But what I pray this morning is that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon people in this place just like you did at the start. I pray, God, that you would descend by the power of the Holy Spirit. People would experience the infilling or a refreshing of the infilling, a renewal in their life, a renewal in their faith. I ask you, God, to do great and awesome things. I pray, God, that we would be a people who do not stop seeking, but that we would do what Jesus said. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. For he who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. It is available to all. The fullness of God. The power of the Holy Spirit. So God, I pray your blessing on this church. I pray your blessing on every life. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I pray a love for God. A love for the Word of God. A love for the lost. A love for the hurting and the broken. A love for the presence of God. God, I pray that Jesus would just be lifted up in this place. I pray that prayer would be so central and vital to where this church needs to go. And I thank you for all that you have in store. Let not the enemy prevail, for we know that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God, not because I preached it, not because I've said it, but because it's your promise to your church and to all who believe, let each one of us in our way, in our life, in our personality, in our giftings, just be more Peter's who have experienced Pentecost and who are living every day in the power of a Spirit-filled life. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord this morning. Brother Eric, can I, can I, I, know, I know you're going to wet the whistle. Um, but I'd like you to come back. I'd like to ask our pastor's counsel.
those that are here this morning, if they would want to come forward and and, I, um, and the rest of us can stretch out our hands because I want to pray for our brother this morning. Um, I don't know about you, but I really appreciated this message this morning. I really did. Because it's, because it's true. It's true. Um, one of the exercises that we did when we were doing some seminary work on early Pentecostalism and the baptism of the Spirit was was to look at what uh, the results were. What was the effects of, of receiving that experience? What, what were people saying? And, and one of the things that I came to the conclusion was it just wasn't just an empowering experience. It was a renewing experience. There were things that changed people's hearts, their outlooks. It was effective. Affective as in with the letter A in the front. Not effective, but affective. It changed their hearts. And it wasn't about what denomination that you were. It was about that you became Pentecostal by experience. You experienced the infilling and the empowering of the Spirit, and it changed you and the trajectory of where you were going. And it's what... It it was the fuel in our engine. It's what made us go. And brother, I'm, I'm thankful this morning you brought this message because I can relate to Peter, you know. I can relate to being just the ordinary guy that had an extraordinary encounter. And we all need that today. Thank you for that fresh word. I just really appreciate it this morning. And so, Heavenly Father, I thank you today for Brother Eric, president of this college in Edmonton Vanguard College, our college. And I am thankful for his testimony today, his sharing of the work that you have done in his life, how you called him and you didn't let go, of how when he surrendered everything, you came in in a powerful way and you changed his heart and you changed his desires and you changed the the purpose of his life where he was you had it in mind lord but he found you and 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 he discovered that and he's walking that out today and i am thankful today lord that you have called eric to be the president of the college because lord we've heard what what is in his heart and what he wants to be embodied in each and every student that attends there that they would be spirit filled that they would be spirit-empowered, that they would be spirit-directed, and they would be full of the Word of God. And that as they speak and as they minister, it will not just be what they have committed to memory, but it will be anointed and it will be empowered and it will be very effective in seeing the lives of those who encounter them changed by the gospel of Jesus. Oh, there's no greater need right now. And Lord, as we've said before, and as you mentioned, we thank you for all the methods and, and different things. And the, but God, there's no greater need. There's no greater need today than for the church to be changed and transformed, to be revived and renewed. And so this morning, I pray blessing. I ask for your favor to be poured out on our brother today. I pray, God, that you will 
you will supercharge his leadership abilities. It's the skills that you have given him that they will be amplified a hundredfold. That Holy Spirit, as he commits himself to you in those times of solitude and prayer and reflection, that God, that you will continue to lead, guide, and direct his every step. We may plan our way, but Lord, you direct the steps. You give us the ideas. You give us the creativity. You give us the energy to accomplish what is oftentimes a daily planner or a weekly planner or a monthly planner that most of the time we can't do it on our own. But, Lord, you give the energy. And so empower him, Lord, to a greater measure. Continue, Lord, as he seeks your heart and he seeks your will, just to continue to fill him to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. And I pray that, God, that it will flow out of his leadership, out of his heart, to the faculty, and down, it'll percolate down to the students, and that those students that walk into that building and they walk and they register to become a student of Vanguard College, that when they leave after even a year of a program, or three years, or for four years, however long they got them there, that they will walk out changed and transformed. They will be different than the day they walked in. Because all because they have went to a, a school where the Spirit of God is honored and made room for. And so, Lord, today we thank you for the word that's been delivered by your servant. May we live it out. May we walk it out. May we do it. May we not walk away saying, wasn't that a great message? No, may we live it out today. May we heed the call. May we present ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto the Lord this morning, and that we would be all in to what you have us to do. And we thank you for what you're going to accomplish because we know that your zeal will do it, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And amen, amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can I ask something? Sure. Um, I, uh, I actually had the, the same desire that, that we would come up here as a board, but I, I was wondering if we could get you to pray for us. Eric, um, anoint us and pray because we're struggling. And uh, your message spoke to my heart, especially all the way through. And, and we, need, we need the presence of the Lord to do the work that God wants us to do here. So would you be willing to anoint us, the board and, and pastor? God, we stand before you right now, and this congregation and I, and we're praying for these leaders, but we're also praying for ourselves, Lord. God, I'm reminded that Joel prophesied and Peter reminded people that you would pour out your spirit on all flesh on men and women without distinction at all. 
And I'm reminded, Lord, that we would have dreams and visions. And signs and wonders. So what I pray, God, is that the Holy Spirit would break through the darkness that's over this nation and over this province and over this town lies and deceit that have been built up for 60 years in this country. And I pray for these leaders, Lord, for the anointing of God. I pray for the heart of God to consume their heart. I pray, God, for an undying passion in their soul for Jesus and to make Jesus known. I pray, God, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, for dreams and visions, for the vision of God for this assembly, for this group of people that just permeates this area. I ask you, God, for faith to believe and for patience to wait until God descends. Lord, I pray also for great unity in this church. Unity around the cross of Christ. Unity around the ministry of the Holy Spirit. A yieldedness. Not a reliance on the past. Not a reliance on systems and processes. But God, for faith to believe for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this place. So God, I pray for each one that you would anoint them. That you would bind them together with the love of God. I pray that they would be an encouragement to each other. I pray for them. I pray for their families. I pray for everything that concerns them, Lord, because we're, we're, we're just all in in our families and what's happening in our town, in our own lives, and in our families affects who we are. So I pray the blessing of God upon them and their families. I pray, God, for answers to prayer. I pray, God, that they would just begin to see God at work and begin to testify that this church should be filled with the testimonies of the working of God and the sense of the moving of the Holy Spirit about what You have done, Lord. Because what is impossible for us is where You begin. When it's impossible for us, when it's too much for us, when it's beyond us, when we're at the end of ourselves, God begins. So God, for that gift of faith and the anointing power of the Holy Spirit, I pray the blessing of God in the name of Jesus, who does everything well. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Father, we, 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 we just, once again, we just thank you for all that you've done today. We thank you for the message that's been delivered. We thank you for the prayers that has been prayed. And we just, we just wait upon you, Lord. We wait upon you now to, to begin that work. And we thank you, God, that you can do it. We thank you that you are a God who never fails. You're a God who never fails. And so, Lord, we pray a blessing this morning that as we, as we go, we'll go. We'll go this morning with a new sense of call, a new sense of purpose, a new sense of empowerment. Knowing that, God, that as we yield ourselves to you, as we yield ourselves to the, to the work of the Spirit, that, God, that, that you will make it happen. And we thank you, God, for what you're going to do. We anticipate great things from your hand. 
And we ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you, folks, this morning. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, President Eric, for, for being with us. Uh, it was a real joy this morning to, to have you with us. Well, the Lord bless you, and uh, enjoy your day, and enjoy the week. And don't forget, of course, coming up uh, on the calendar, our pageant next Sunday, and uh, our candlelight service on the 23rd. Bless you, folks.